Welcome to the Indoor AirPod, a show dedicated to our shared surroundings with industry heavyweights that are dedicated to designing, developing, manufacturing, and disrupting the status quo in order to make all our spaces cleaner and safer for everyone. Welcome to the Indoor AirPod, everyone. I'm Gary Moody, the host, and my guest today is Chris House. He's the corporate trainer for April Air. Chris, welcome to the Indoor AirPod. Hey, thank you, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here. We appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and, and the same here. Um, April Air is a fantastic company, a wonderful reputation. Before we start talking about your product line and, and what you do, of course, why don't you share a little bit of your background, your career path uh, before becoming involved with April Air? My pleasure. It's been an interesting <clears throat> journey for me because I've been in this industry for well over 25 years now, and I started with my grandfather. Uh, probably a lot of us in this industry started in a family business and uh, worked our way up, and I'm no different to that. Uh, with that experience came a lot of being in the field and in front of customers and knowing that, you know, as an installer and a technician, the opportunities that we have uh, to help them out with their heating and air conditioning specifically, but also the opportunity to grow within this industry. And, and I'm a great example of that. And now working through distribution for a short time as a technical service manager and then being with April Air for uh, almost nine years now and the opportunity to uh, see different facets of the manufacturing side has been really really great for me here okay fantastic regarding regarding your role at april air what what specifically do you do you're your corporate trainer I, I i think i understand what you do but for those listening that may not know what a corporate trainer does uh you know what do you, you know what's your role with april air Day-to-day, -day, it's really supporting our organization with a lot of the content that is delivered, whether we're working with our distribution partners or even our contractors that are in the field working inside the homes that are able to promote our products and our solutions. A lot of that is what I do day in and day out, but at the same time, where my passion really lies is being able to get in front of all of those that I mentioned and providing education to make them better to really help them educate this heating and air conditioning industry slash IEQ world that is all a part of this industry today. Okay. I've met with hundreds of contractors in my past in Florida in their offices, Chris. So I, you know, I was never a contractor, um, so I, but I have a good sense of the challenges that I have. Or do, in your opinion, do they actually realize that they're in an extraordinarily unique position moving forward to protect human health tied to IAQ? I believe they they know that, but Gary, the execution is always the biggest challenge. Perfect example of that is being in front of a group of contractors or specifically maybe even one individual contractor. And then you have their technicians or their comfort advisors, and you're talking about this opportunity and for me, my goal is always to be as real as possible so they can take some information with them and really apply it, not talk this overarching high strategy of, you know, something that's way out there and, and not tangible. And they all agree, they shake their heads 
But then when the rubber hits the road, there's things that hold us back that, that limits that ability and that execution. And really, it's not about even sales, Gary. I don't know what your feelings are about, you know, the sales side of the industry, but it's all about just understanding your customer, educating them to the solutions to problems, and the rest kind of falls into place. You, you bet. Um, the, you know, the sense I have from my past, it's been a while since I, I had contractor meetings, but there, there definitely were contractors in a meeting of, you know, maybe 10, 15, or 20 techs in a room. There are definitely some that I sensed that were very interested, and then there was the balance of them. But as you know, the HVAC trade is a massive industry, and I'm convinced that the trade has an enormous long-term potential to educate and advise millions of HVAC system owners regarding best IAQ solutions. In your conversations with contractors, do they give you any feedback regarding what types of questions are being asked by homeowners regarding IAQ? Do you have a sense for that? I do, but I'm going to even twist this a little bit differently for you, Gary, because the industry is either proactive or it's reactive. Yeah. So what you just said was a reactive approach to somebody asking me for something. And by the way, there's a lot of information out there. And what we read, what we hear, what we see, we will tend to under, try to understand that at the greatest level. And then you get the knock on the door and a service technician or somebody in the industry walks through the doors being that professional or that expert. And then they're asked about something similarly and they have to react to that. And if they're knowledgeable, it's a piece of cake for them. If they're not, that's where the struggle really starts to come forth. And by the way, that struggle will continue on for them in other opportunities, which will limit their success in the future as well. Proactively, I think you named, you, you said something that's really, really important, and it's all about the questioning strategies. The only way I know that I can help you, Gary, in your home is if I ask you questions that are pertaining to me to get to know you, your indoor environment, whether that's heating and air conditioning, or it goes beyond, and that's asking very specific questions. Absolutely. Is, is a large percentage of your business, Chris, is it, is it residential or is there a mix of residential and commercial? The high percentage is residential. We do get a, light, a little bit of light commercial, multifamily projects, things of that nature, but we are dominant in that residential sector of the business. Is a good portion of the residential sector, is it new construction or is it primarily just the contractors going in on routine service calls? And while they're there, they, you know, if they want, they can initiate a conversation about IAQ and more specifically, you know, your product line. Yeah, the the new construction continues to grow in certain areas. We can look at that that map and say that we know that Texas, we know the Carolinas, Florida, even go up into New York and Massachusetts, and you can continue to go around. So not saying that new construction isn't the bulk. It is a large percent of our business, but still to this day, the largest part of our business is that service replacement where we have technicians going into homes, servicing, maintaining, able to educate and take it from there, whether they're setting a lead or market leads, things of that nature. You bet. 
as, as you know, uh, it's pretty, pretty well known in the HVAC trade that contractors in general aren't really good at upselling. I don't personally, I don't like that term upselling, but you know, that's kind of how it's, it's represented. How, how do you suggest to a contractor that they initiate an IAQ related conversation when they're in all probability, they're in the customer's home on a service call, especially if it's um, 90 degrees in the summer and their customer doesn't have AC or now we're heading into winter. And if it's 20 degrees out and there's no heat, that's obviously that's a serious concern and the homeowners not got anything on their mind uh, other than how the heck do they get, you know, the AC back on or the heat. So what, what do you, how do you uh, help suggest or train contractors to initiate an IQ related conversation that can lead to, uh, you know, obviously your, your product line. A lot of times when you look at the opportunity in the home, we're there for a demand call, which is what you just stated, no air conditioning. And my priority is to get the air conditioning fixed. We're all creatures of habit in this industry. A lot of us do the same thing over and over. So we might start at the thermostat. And that's a a great opportune time to start asking those important questions. Now, not that we want to sit there for, you know, 10, 15 minutes of a call and just drill you on questions. That's more of an interrogation. We don't want that. But it's, uh, you know, Gary, you know, tell me a little bit about what you keep your air conditioning normally set to in the summer here. You know, I see it's turned down to 65 degrees. Is that where you normally keep it? And, you know, you would answer that however you would normally set that. Okay, well, you know, tell me about your family a little bit. Does anybody in the home suffer from allergies, asthma, breathing problems? I mean, that's been a common question that I was presented when I was a young buck in this industry. And a lot of people will reply with that with not really a lot of thought, but more of that push to say, hey, you know what? You're here to fix my air conditioning. Get on with it. But what for me was the magic sauce, if you want to call it that, was getting that homeowner involved as much as I could throughout the duration of that call. Maybe asking a couple questions, but understanding the urgency. Then it was diagnosing a problem, but keeping my eyes open to all of the other opportunities that we have in homes today. I mean, you mentioned the residential market, millions of calls every every year and every season, almost really to that matter, that we walk in and walk through those opportunities and not really drive them. And we have great technicians. And and that's what I don't want anybody to misconstrue from this conversation is that we've got great, great technicians that are out there. They can fix a lot of problems, but they're fearful of just getting engaged with that conversation with the customer. And that's where, you know, here's the three things I see, and maybe you'll agree with me, Gary. These three things will typically hold us back. It's either the head trash of misbeliefs or opinions, you know, something we've talked offline about is opinions uh, that holds us back sometimes. So it's that head trash that limits our ability to want to drive deeper into the opportunity with a customer. The second is the fear, the fear of the failure, the fear of the unknown lack of knowledge. And the last one is time. It's time on jobs. And if I work for a company where, hey, it's get in, get out and turn and burn. Yeah. There is no opportunity really for me to to spend with that customer. I got to keep going and keep going. So those are, I don't know if you, you've experienced the same thing in your years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, uh, you know, contractors are busy people, especially when the weather, obviously, Chris, is extreme. Uh, they got to go from one job to the next job. A large percentage of contract calls, as I've always understood, were service related, not IAQ related. Right. So to initiate a conversation with a customer for the contractor when they're on a premises, that's that's challenging to do. And that's, you know, that's outside of being an expert on repairing equipment. And, uh, you know, the more that you can train and advise and talk to contractors, I, I think the better. As you know, we're heading into the winter flu season, but, you know, let's kind of go back in time to the COVID-19 era. What, what type of, uh, you know, what type of experiences? Uh, did the contractors give you any feedback then about what their customers were asking about how to best protect their health from the virus? There was a lot of reactive selling going on during the midst of the pandemic. I mean, think about how we all had to pivot, how we were doing business, uh, you know, the days of just walking in the house and handshaking. Now people are stepping back and away from you if they would even let you in the house at the same time that they were there. We, we just went through so many different challenges as an industry. But the one thing that <clears throat> the one thing that this industry faced with COVID is people now are more healthy air aware. They're aware that there are solutions to help them in their homes. And there's a lot of facts out there that show we spend a lot more time in our own homes than any other environments, yet we don't take into consideration the opportunity we have at creating this healthy environment. And that's where really April Air steps in with our solutions to looking at you know, the people we spent, we spent a majority of the time already talking about the people of the, of the home, you know, how's it important to them? We got to also talk about the integrity of the home. What is that going to, how, how is that going to impact indoor air quality? And then finally, the regionality, you know, we work in North America and we've got different levels of regionality approaches that we have to consider when we're talking about solutions, humidification versus dehumidification, Maybe we're in the Midwest where we've got to consider both components. And that's really where we start to see that opportunity grow is taking those three elements into consideration when we knock on the door and walk into the home. And where's where's the opportunity that I can help that customer the most? You bet. You have some fantastic humidification products. Dehumidification, obviously, you know, or, or to add humidity. Uh, there are some experts, and you probably are aware of this, Chris, there are some experts believe that dry air, low humidity, which is common, obviously, in the winter months, is more conducive to the transmission of disease. Do contractors actually realize that? Dry, dry air, low humidity, uh, and there are definitely some experts that believe that dry air is more conducive to the transmission of disease. I don't think the public is aware of it. Uh, it's complicated. People, most people know about dry air. You know, it's not good for any of us. Yeah, you, you, you're you speaking to our wheelhouse now. That, now we're getting into it, uh, Gary, because when we go back to even COVID and we started as an organization, April Air was kind of going, okay, well, here we are in the midst of a pandemic where we're talking about viruses. And 
1954, when we came forth with that first whole home humidifier, we're going, hey, health, comfort, preservation. It's usually one of those or more of those elements of why people want to consider humidifying their home. I believe contractors recognize that. I ask a very important question at almost every one of my humidifier trainings is, tell me why we need to humidify during the heating yeah. season. And normally those are the responses that we get is, hey, it's dry skin, it's bloody noses, you know, all the static electricity, all the things that we all know commonly. But where you're going, if I had to guess, is that deeper level of virus mitigation where one of the oldest solutions in the book of virus mitigation is humidifying and controlling that humidity. And by the way, dehumidification for our friends way down south and in the southeast, dehumidification is also a key part of virus mitigation because different viruses thrive at different levels of humidities in those indoor environments. So that's where it goes into that education piece that you're talking to. You bet. It's not a simple. It's not a simple subject easily discussed. I'm a longtime resident of South Florida, so I, I know what uh, excess humidity is all about. But I, you know, I know people out in the Southwest, and uh, again, it's it's such an important topic, which leads me to the, uh, I guess, the next question, Chris. What are your thoughts long term about indoor air quality monitoring, and not just humidity, but PM two point five? Um, VOCs, et cetera, et cetera. Is, is that something April Air is going to head to in the future to become more and more involved with IAQ monitoring? 100%, Gary. And here's the reality about indoor air quality. It's unseen. To the naked eye, we cannot see these different components of unhealthy or polluted air in our homes. How do you make that unseen scene Sensors are, are key. They're going to be key to the education. But what we also have to consider with that is that sense, educate, then mitigate or provide the right solution to the problem. And me personally, if, if I'm quickly to take a step back for you, there is a lot of things that we recognize in our industry as technicians that indicates that we have poor air in a home. Dirty filters, dirty blowers, you know, that microbial growth when we open up an air handler down there in Florida and we see it all over the uh, blower housing and the, and the wires and all that. It's, it's all right there, but it goes to a lot of the times of what we talked about, which holds us back and sometimes what limits our ability in having this education. But the sensors at the level of in front of the consumer and having them see is going to be great. But we have to have that call to action to be able to help them be educated on what that means so we can mitigate it at the proper levels for a healthier indoor environment. Do contractors have any IAQ diagnostic tools in their toolbox, Chris? For, for, example, for example, do they have a CO2 monitor where they could do obviously go on a service call while they're there? Uh, you know, they take a quick reading. Uh, once they get done with their service call, they can actually show the customer. And I, that's to me, at least, that's an intriguing potential way for the tech to initiate a conversation with their customer, who all in all probability is a layperson. And the laypersons don't 
probably don't understand a relationship between high CO2 levels and good ventilation, you know, fair ventilation or poor. Uh, but anyway, you know, the, the indoor air quality monitoring market, I think in the long term is going to become of more and more interest to many, many consumers. They're going to want to have an idea what they're exposed to. And there's quite a few experts that believe that to most effectively improve indoor air quality, you have to have an idea what's in it to start and then ongoing. This past summer, uh, it was pretty crazy with the wildfire smoke. Uh, did that help your business? Yes. In, in, it helped us in receiving a lot of inbound calls to our call center in Madison, Wisconsin, in asking, what can we do about this? How can we how can we minimize those impacts of that outside? That goes back to the regionality of what I spoke to earlier, is how can I minimize this risk? And there's a lot of great studies out there that the industry produces, you know, ASHRAE partners with Berkeley Lab and, and colleges and universities and organizations and does a lot of these studies. And that's what I love most about April Air is with our solutions, we really align to those standards to say, okay, if you have this and it's delivering this, then your result is going to be this. So it's all a very calculated approach to prove that your solutions work inside an indoor environment. And you asked about a testing, IEQ testing meters, and the challenge with that, and I'm not saying that they're not out there because I do know of a couple that are out there and have tried a few of them, but when we're talking about indoor air quality, we're not talking about it at one snapshot. If I'm on a call, most of our calls were 30 minutes to maybe two, two and a half hours if we're on a sales call. That's a very small snapshot of a day, let alone a week, a month, a year. The long-term monitoring is going to be key to being able to see those peaks and valleys because smoke is a great example of that. Smoke at, at, at its smallest level is a particulate. Well, particulates can be captured at the source, but also you get into the home of ventilation where you're talking about dilution and replacement. So when you have two major components of an indoor environment that are working together for the greater good, then you're going to have a healthier output, source removal, dilution, and replacement. And you're putting those components together. I witnessed that personally in my own house during the wildfires. And I live in Northeast Ohio right now. Okay. And we were very heavily impacted with that. And it was that aha moment for me going, this is why I love what I do here and being able to provide this education and this validation and uh, help our contractors grow in becoming more knowledgeable. So they're helping the end users, the, the consumers inside their own homes. Yeah, there's an enormous need to educate the public. And what, what I like about this topic at a very minimum, Chris, is the more that people like yourself and myself and so many others that we can talk about indoor air quality, at least you know, kind of reminds people that if they want, they can seek out ways to most effectively improve their health. Now, having said that, uh, I've, I've asked some contractors in my past, how often do they see dirty, filthy, and even terribly clogged fillers uh, on their service calls? And they, they all have said, 
you know, it's like all the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of under the impression that maybe America has a very, very serious builder change problem. You know, it's easily overlooked. Do contractors, do they, you know, do they kind of get this, uh, you know, they go in and the customer probably doesn't want to hear that their builder is very dirty or clogged. Uh, and it's easily overlooked, obviously, by end users. The interesting part of the filtration side of the discussion is, is it doing its job? And we go back to the the early days of heating and air conditioning and the progression through equipment of a filter was there to essentially try to do as much as protecting the heating and air conditioning equipment as much as it could. And the problem with that was, is if you had, you know, your standard one inch filter, what was its filtering capabilities? And a lot of us know it wasn't that great. The, the original ones, whether you had, uh, you know, some kind of, um, you know, fiber-based filter, uh, and then you get into the higher grade one-inch pleated filters, which capture a lot more, but their life is very minimal because they're capturing more. And then you're talking about restricting airflow, and now you got performance with your equipment. So it's kind of that, you know, again, that 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 teeter-totter where you give and take. And so when you get into the filtration side, first and foremost, it's where is this dirt coming from? That could be question number one. There is infiltration, exfiltration between home, homes. There's things that we do inside our own homes that generates a lot of dust and dirt and particulate. And then when we get down to it, what is that filter's capability? Can we protect the equipment at a very high rate and then also provide a cleaner environment for the occupants of the home. And then that's where you start to step, step into making sure that you have the right size filter with the right MERV designation for that filtering capacity, but it's also gonna maintain the pressure drop so you have overall system efficiency standards maintained. And that's really where we dive in there and we make sure of that. And that's where we wanna make sure we're educating too is is all of those different approaches more than just it's a filter? You bet. Uh, filtration, as you know, it's it's extraordinarily uh, specialized, and it's not easily explained. And you know, customers most likely all they want to know is, okay, what's the best filter? How much does it cost? You know, that basic stuff. Unfortunately, it's just not that simple, as you know. You've got a, a wide range of products that you offer. Uh, talk about, if you would, your whole house ventilation. Uh, offerings, what, what you offer and how it works. What's the tech behind it? Interestingly enough, HVAC, ventilation has been a key part of our industry, but it's also one of the most misunderstood approaches to the indoor environment and creating a healthy home. A lot of it today is driven based on standards through the new construction. A lot of that is where it's it's baseline minimum to that and saying, okay, if you want adequate or acceptable IEQ, you need to meet this specific, specific designation. Where we step in as a manufacturer of ventilation products is we look at where are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to achieve the basic minimum standard? Because we have a passive damper type system that can allow that. If you're striving for the energy conservation requirements or driving to a more energy efficient home, then we need to abide by that. And that's where we have powered ventilation that we get into, fan powered with our, our patented controls where we're able to lock out based on 
temperature, outdoor temperature and outdoor humidity or indoor humidity, depending on where you place that control. And then finally, where you get into energy recovery ventilators or ERVs, where you're talking about a balanced type system. Really that, that category for us has been continuously growing, not only from the products themselves and the innovation of new products, but also simply in the education of what it means to the indoor environment. You bet. V ventilation, as we both know, it's it's like filtration in a much different way. It's, it's very complicated. It's not simple. It's, it's specialized. And, and just another reason why the contractors are in a very unique position to educate their customers. Uh, did you by chance see the 60 seconds, 60 minutes CBS segment on uh, Sunday night? Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, it was I about indoor air quality. What, what, what were your thoughts about that? Here are my thoughts, and, and thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I'm not surprised that you did ask that, Gary, so I appreciate it. But here was my takeaway. It's where our opportunity continues to go. They talked very, very well to a lot of the standards that we look at uh, over, over a period of time, you know, uh, food standards. We looked at food standards. We look at water standards. Uh, you know, we did look at somewhat of a commercial standards for environments. I know there's a study that ASHRAE did with the CDC back in 2005 that really looked at minimizing infectious disease spreads, and that aligned very well with that 60-minute segment. What we need to understand for our nature of business and residential is all of that, I think it was approximately eight to 10 minutes, something like that. Yes. All of that holds true to our indoor residential environment where we spend more time where we lay our heads at night and we close our eyes and we are breathing unconsciously, whatever that quality of air is. And that's where we can step in, part together, educate and provide solutions to those kinds of problems. So uh, what were your takeaways about it? I, you know, first of all, there, I, I thought, I thought he did a great job, Joe Allen with Harvard. Um, Obviously, you know, this topic is not something anybody can wrap up in 20 minutes or whatever, however long the segment was. But what I really liked about it was the fact that CBS 16 Minutes agreed to have this topic on their national program with a huge re. It created a lot of IAQ awareness. And IAQ awareness, as you know, it protects health and actually saves lives. Um, you have some radon mitigation equipment. Uh, tell us about that. Rad radon, as you know, it's a, it's a serious threat to many, many people. How, how does your technology work and, and what do you know about it? And is, is that an, uh, an HVAC contractor product? That has been our go-to-market strategy with radon is we are partnered with the American Lung Association and during through a, a longer process of conversations, they, they asked us about radon mitigation. And we looked at our product portfolio and we said, yeah, definitely that is something that we should take a next step into. So when we put our, our team together to move that product forward within April Air, our, our strategy was similar to what we've been talking about in how do we maximize the exposure to the dangers of radon? You know, it's it's uh, the second leading lung cause second leading cause of lung cancer among non-smokers. That's a high level of of education that needs to be understood. It's something that is 
you know, just a natural organic uh, compound of the earth that's underneath us and it mitigates through the home. When we get into that education of bringing that awareness to somebody, now do we need to take action? And when we need to test and validate and then take actions, that's where we get into the fan system where we are taking that radon below the sub slab. We're using a pipe and a fan and simply exhausting it outside the home above the roof level where it's essentially skipping that indoor environment to impact those humans inside of it. It, it boils down to the regionality, but also that there's probably a concentration level somewhere. Uh, I'll, I'll use an example I just heard last week, Austin, Texas. Maybe an area that you wouldn't really think radon would be high, but we had somebody that decided they moved from Massachusetts to Texas and, and decided let's test. Well, they came back, I believe it was 16 picocuries per liter. Well, the EPA designates four. If you're above four picocuries per liter, that's when you need to take action. So four times that in central Texas. It's, it's another part of this indoor air quality environment that we strive as an organization to bring forward and continue to educate and provide that level of competency also to our contractors to add this as a book of business or subcontract it out to somebody that does know what they're doing. But it's all about awareness right now, Gary. You, you bet. Where do you think the indoor air quality industry is going to be five years from now, Chris? As you know, it's not a tight, it's not a tightly regulated industry like food and water. Um, I'm sure you're aware that in the COVID-19 area, it turned into the Wild West. Uh, there's a lot of things that I posted that I didn't really agree with regarding published news. Uh, hopefully more and more people are going to learn about indoor air quality and what to avoid and then to look for companies like April Air. Where do you think the industry is going in the next five years? It's going to continue to grow from that standpoint of the, the knowledge. And whether we, whether we continue to be reactive or proactive is going to be the success of our contractors that are in the home. And as new homes come about and new home standards continue to improve, that's great news for energy efficiency and for those kinds of, of standards for that. Decarbonization is a huge topic right now in the industry. What does that mean for indoor air quality? I like to simplify it as this. We all have used a cooler, like a Yeti cooler or you know, name brand of cooler. Well, when you close that lid, you are really minimizing any kind of infiltration to that cooler. Well, that's what our houses are becoming. So the only way that you're going to get a healthier indoor environment is with the proper solutions, which I love. I'd rather have a controlled environment than something that's way out of my hands that I'm trying to do something that is not a, tang a tangible in my home. That's where it's going to continue to grow as we look at home improvements today, new construction, this indoor air quality, as people are now aware to it. It has nothing but upside, Gary. You bet. There, there's an enormous amount of environmental news, Chris, and I'm sure you're aware of this, but the vast majority of the environmental news is all about what's going on outdoors when it's our indoor environment. Hey, I, I'm really... Uh, 
happy to hear that you guys have partnered. You partner with the American Lung Association. I wish we had more time today, Chris. It's kind of winding down, but I want to thank you for your time today. And I sure would like to have you back at a later date to update, you know, what's going on with April air. I am happy to join you anytime. And we appreciate you and your platform here and all of those people out listening. So thank you all so much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to the Indoor Air Pod, produced by Gaslight STL, your podcast partner. Be sure to give our show a follow to keep up with upcoming guests and topics. And please reach out with any questions or guest suggestions.